Welcome back to 10 Minute Investing Canada, where we try and increase those returns in less time than your morning commute. I'm your host, Austin Benz. Thanks for listening. Hey, what's up, everyone? Back again here with another episode of 10 Minute Investing Canada. Um, I want to apologize. It has been a couple days or more than that, I think six since I've had one. I normally try to do two a week and we're about a week away from this one. I just had a little bit going on in my personal life here with some some things I've had to take care of. So I haven't had quite the time I would like to um, just to make an episode here, another one to follow up. And I, I do want to do a decent amount of due diligence before I do an episode. So I don't like to just rush them. Um, like I said, I've been a little bit busy. So have another time to actually look into it. But that being said, I think today's Today's episode is something that needed to be done. This is something I wanted to touch on last week and a little bit the week before. Um, and after what happened today, I just think that um, today needs to be done. So I did try to clear some space in my own uh, schedule, clear some time just today to make sure I can get this done because I do think there's some things that that I want to talk about just in regards to, to the overall market. Um, I guess just to start off, a lot of newer investors out here might be a little bit panicked with what's gone on the last little bit, there, there's been a pretty big sell-off, um, especially in the growth names, which I'll be honest here, I, I was a little bit worried, but the more I look into it, the less worried I am. And I think my overarching advice for all this would just be to uh, sit tight and sit on your hands and not uh, over-trade or, or make a make a foolish move just because you're panicking here. Um, you know, This is typically when do or people do... S- have a bit of a panic and they sell the bottom and this is when you get stuck dumping dumping a good portion of your shares near the bottom then you watch it go up and then you want to get back in and you buy at a higher price so i think that's kind of where we're at right now um but this is also a lesson too for a lot of newer investors here that uh when you first start getting into investing um especially in the last little bit just with the run we've seen in the last six months to a year um, all these growth names are the one you'll see if you go on Twitter, if you're on Reddit, wherever you are, you know, you're always going to see people looking for these growth names, these ones that have the potential for 10, 20, 30 X returns. And we've had a lot do that, um, which is great. You know, I'm, I, I like those too. So I'm not sitting here um, trying to take a crap on growth investors in any way, shape or form. I, I have a lot myself. I think anyone that follows my tweets or has been listening to things that I've uh, I've said to pick up knows that, and I, I do like a lot of growth names, but this is just a lesson I think for everyone. Right? When you've got things that can go up 20, 10, 20, 30 times in a short period of time, you need to be ready for that sell-off too. So we've had a lot of these growth names dump off 40, 50, 60%. That's going to happen too. You know, like that's that's just the nature of the game when you want to play with these these risky riskier assets. Um and there's a reason that there's always the risk return ratio. And I think people need to just be aware of that too. It, it does, you can get caught up in this stocks always go up phase, which we've been in. And if you are new and you're new to everything and everything you're buying is going up and you feel like a genius, and it's, it seems too easy. I think times like this can bring everyone back to reality and just, just give us a reminder that, you know, you do need to pick, pick things uh, wisely, use some due diligence. There's a reason people with a lot of assets diversify heavily and don't go all into these names. You know, if you're all into some of these growth stocks, you could take a 60, 70% hit on your entire portfolio in the last few weeks. And that, that's a lot for anyone to handle. That's a lot for the psyche, especially if you're, if you're looking at that every day, you know, that's just, this is not something you want to be a part of. So I think this is a good lesson for everyone, um, new and old investors that, you know, when we get into that euphoric stage that everything's going up, sometimes it is maybe too, uh, 
too too good to be true, I guess, in a sense. And and, and to be clear too, like I, I was talking to a friend today. I, I'm a five six year bull. I think we're gonna get another five six year bull market. I, I'm not looking for a major turnaround, but corrections happen. That's that's a healthy bull market for you. You know, you're not just gonna go straight up. You're gonna have corrections and pullbacks. And uh, if you're in it for the long haul, like I said, I think sit on your hands, keep waiting. Um, we're gonna get back to where we're at. And when we do. Or maybe even right now, if you've got some free cash on the side, or you know, or maybe if you are heavily invested in a few things, you know, of these growth stocks, maybe this is the time to let's look at some some safer options. You know, what are where's some more value to be had? You know, gold is down near that seventeen hundred dollar an ounce level. Um, I like oil long term. I'm actually looking at buying some long calls on some American oil companies. Uh, I know the Biden administration coming in shutting down that that Keystone pipeline. A lot of people saw that as a negative thing, but. If anything, that just creates scarcity, you know, especially for U.S. I know this is a Canadian podcast, but if you're in the U.S. and you're not getting this Canadian oil as easily because you're shutting down this pipeline, well, it creates more scarcity for oil. Um, People are, it doesn't change consumer patterns, I guess, is the point I'm trying to make. You know, people are still driving. People are still using natural gas to heat their homes, whatever it is. Um, the, The needs are there. The demands are there. So just stopping the supply doesn't really change that. Um, and if anything, that drives the prices up because you shorten the supply, the demand's going to stay relatively similar. So I don't think, um, I actually think in a weird way, stopping oil is going to be good for oil companies or I guess good for the ones that exist. So I'm actually looking at some longer options, uh, longer term plays for some oil companies. And I think uh, I think those will do well just because they're so hated, right? Everyone's looking at this EV uh, electric vehicle run and they're just they're going crazy everyone's kind of forgotten about oil and even if we are to switch over to oil you know what's powering powering those uh, electric vehicles when they're hooking up those charging stations a lot of it comes a lot of energy comes from burning natural gas so i think to say that with oil and gas sectors done i i that's a that's a premature move to me um yeah we're ha- having a lot of headway with electric vehicles not everyone's buying a new car this year you know and even if they are we don't have enough renewable energy sources to power them so i think that Gas, oil and gas is going to be here for a while yet, and they're so hated. They're so depressed. I think um, you can get a lot of these. Um, two that I heard a good case for were for American ones is Baker Hughes and Schlumberger. Uh, tickers will be SLB and BKR for, for those two. And just because of the technology they have, they think you can really uh, turn a profit just based off of the tech they're using to pull oil um, and, and just – Everything in regards to that, when you talk about scarcity, you know, better tech to make better use of your resources, that's only going to help you. Um, and, and you look at some of these like SLB, they're $118 stock in 2018. And they're trading around 30 bucks right now, you know, so we're at 60, over $60 Canadian uh, or $60 a barrel oil. We're not down in these $30 ranges anymore. And I think with all of the inflation we're going to see, we're going to get a kick in all commodities and people have been forgetting about oil. So that's maybe one play I'd look at too. If you're looking for some more value, um, you're getting a little scared because you are heavy growth stocks and you know things like weed stocks, shroom stocks. Like again, they have their place in a portfolio, but that can't be your whole portfolio. You know, you need to have some of these anchors, um, something like an Enbridge. I, I know they're actually one of the pipelines is getting shut down, but I think Enbridge is going to figure it out. They got a great management team. They've been increasing the dividend for like 24 years. I don't think they're going to stop. So, Maybe just a wake-up call for a lot of people, right? You can't be all growth all the time and expect to just go straight up. You know, when you have these corrections, we're going to pull back. And if you are, again, like I said, I'm a five- to six-year bull. I think we're going to be fine long-term, so so just relax. But, yeah, that's uh, that's my piece on that. I think maybe just a bit of a wake-up call because it has been uh, – it's been a 
I guess, shitty, for lack of a better word. It's been a shitty few weeks here um, for people that are heavy growth. And I'd consider myself one of those people. I don't have everything growth, but I do have a lot of names and they haven't been treating me very well. So I just want to get that out there. Um, tell people not to panic, sell everything. Um, but also this is a wake-up call for for the diversification factor, for setting up a real portfolio. There's a reason people that have been doing this for 20, 30 years do it like that. It's not because they're dumb. Um, it's because they've seen a lot of things. Anyway, to get on some points here of what exactly was going on in this market and why things are turning around, I want to start with the 10-year yield because I know a lot of people have probably seen some articles about that and you're wondering what's going on, what factors does that actually play. And I just wanted to bring a quick overview of what actually that is. Um, so the 10-year yield right now, we, we got up to about 1.5%, uh, way higher than we were. I think a month ago, it was at like a 108 or, or no, it was higher than that, sorry. But like that 118, 120 range uh, or 1.18, 1.2 range. So that's the uh, interest that a 10-year government bond pays. Now, the way bonds work, they're a little tricky for new to finance because you're looking at the percentage numbers and that's actually the inverse, the opposite relationship to the price. So as the prices go down, the yield percentage goes up. Um, so this percentage on these bonds has been going up, which means the price of the bonds has been tanking. Now, the reason this is really a f- plays a factor into equities is when you work for a lending institution, like I worked for a lending institution for four years, when we calculate rates to give our customers on loans, one of the factors that plays into that is the is the risk-free rate. So that is the government bond rate. If we're giving a 10-year loan, we're going to start with the government 10-year loan. So we're going to use Canada, but um, everyone's watching the U.S. Canada's right there too. Um, we're right in that same area, but everyone's watching the U.S. 10-year. You know, you start with that 10-year rate, and then you add risk premium for you know risk of default for your customer, margin premium, whatever your, your company needs to make. You know, you know, you work your models in for the company you are and, and what you're looking to do, but everyone starts with that risk-free rate. So all lending rates across the board have been going up, like mortgage rates have been going up, um, line of credits, if anyone's on, um, any kind of any kind of loan pricing systems, they've all been going up with this. So that's why these growth stocks have been getting crushed because these growth stocks that don't have any revenue, they're just an idea. Um, they're going down because they don't have the revenue and the cash flow to support themselves. They're, they're relying on debt. And, and cheap debt, which is why they've been going up so so fast, right? Interest rates got cut after COVID got announced. We've been sitting on almost a year now of cheap debt, these growth stocks. That's why you're seeing this huge growth. They're getting almost free money and they're dumping it into their company and uh, fueling and growing however they f- see fit. And uh, we're starting to see, move up from there. And uh, and that's kind of what you're seeing as this huge decline in these growth stocks, right? These companies that don't have enough cash flow to support themselves. And that's where you know you get these value stocks like you're, whatever it is, your Verizons, your Apples, um, companies that are well-established that have their own cash flow, um, they're not going to get hit near as hard as things like this. So that's why these growth, smaller names will be getting crushed. Um, and, and that's the relationship you see there. So the way you price debt, it starts with the risk-free rate, which would be government bonds. Government bonds be going up, that pushes up the cost of debt. Uh, more interest expense, your debt's more expensive to hold, it leads to lower growth. So for these smaller growth companies, they're getting hammered. That's essentially in a nutshell what's going on. Um, now, the reason the 1.5% range is huge is the yield on the S&P 500. So that's dividend yield. If you t- to own a stock uh, or the whole S&P 500, so one of every 500 of the companies in the S&P 500, the average yield you're getting on all the dividends on what you own is 1.48%. So that it's a 1.48%. Sorry, I'll say that a little bit clearer because I kind of mumbled. 
So the reason that's significant is once we cross that and we hit that 1.5 with the 10-year yield, which we did, you're actually getting more money by owning the 10-year government bond than you are from dividends for the S&P 500. So if you're a bigger institution and you're more worried about dividends and things, you're not looking to trade for capital gains like most retail traders are, why would you take a risk on the S&P 500, like risky assets of company equities when you could just get guaranteed money from the government? You know, you buy these bonds and you're getting guaranteed yield. So you're going to see a lot of cash outflows or that's, I guess, the fear. You're going to see a lot of cash outflows from uh, the U.S. or sorry, the S&P 500 and equities and, and stocks into the 10-year yield. And that's where this relationship's going. It's it's technically or, or usually the bond bond market is a precursor to the equity market. Um, so we've been seeing these yields rise, bond markets have been getting crushed, and then they kind of hit this level that bonds and government bonds specifically look more attractive than the S&P 500. So you're going to see money pour out of equities. Um, so that's the other half why even the more value stock names have been going down because they'd be the ones in the S&P 500. They have earnings and things like that. But now they're getting less attractive just because their yields are lower than the bonds. And then the bond price going up also is creating more expensive debt for the growth. So that's why, in a nutshell, stocks have been getting pummeled, both value and growth, uh, more so growth for sure. But that's, again, to the point of diversifying a portfolio, you know, your growths are going to be your biggest winners and your biggest losers. Your values are going to be more stable and your commodities and uh, and things like that can kind of offset too. So that's, um, I guess, in a nutshell, what was going on there. Now, just to touch on this week, this this is why I guess I'm a little bit more confident now um, because this does look really institutional. If you look at Monday, uh, so what happened this weekend? I guess I'll start there. What happened this weekend? So $1.9 trillion in stimulus passed or passed the Senate. And then Johnson & Johnson's uh, vaccine got announced or passed by the FDA. Both of those things weren't really news in a sense, right? We all knew this $1.9 trillion in stimulus is coming. And they've been talking about this since Biden was running for the election. This is November. You know, it just hasn't, he hasn't been able to get it through. And now they finally get it through. This isn't really news, right? Like this has all been priced in. It's all been basically a formality. We knew eventually they were going to go. So he was trying to push through this $15 minimum wage that the Republicans didn't like. And that's that's what was holding it up. But we all kind of knew eventually they're going to bend their arm to the terms. And they're going to let this the bill through. They just didn't want these other things that they were trying to tack on. And so what was that news? Again, Johnson & Johnson too. We have two vaccines. As long as it was the first vaccine, we kind of knew they were going to get FDA approval. It wasn't really a big shock. But either way, good news points. They're positive, but they weren't overly surprising. So you think like maybe this now we start the correction from the two weeks, the past two weeks, which were down quite a bit. And then Monday's huge up, which that right there, in hindsight to myself, I should have sold on that news because um, it's pretty obvious how, how much of a head fake that was. Those pieces of news weren't huge. And we had a huge update Monday. Everyone's yay, like, yay, you know, the, the bull runs back on. The bear market's over. This is over. And then bang, Tuesday comes. It starts kind of fair. End of the day starts falling off. And then today, Wednesday, everything's getting slaughtered. Like, it has just been not fun to be investing these last couple of days. Um, and I should have seen that coming. I feel like an idiot. I think I was a little bit busy. I don't want to make an excuse, but I think I was just a little bit busy and uh, didn't have my head in the markets enough with other things. And again, I don't want to make an excuse, but looking back, I I think I really should have saw that one coming. Um, But that's what do, that is why I think it's a little bit institutional just because it did seem so coordinated. They almost let the markets pump on Monday to give retail investors and small time investors that optimism. And then they just sucked it right away with the next two days. 
again, I'm a long-term bull. I think we're going to be fine. Um, and, you know, Jerome Powell, he's the U.S. Federal Reserve Chair. He's continued to say we're going to stay with quantitative easing. They're going to keep pumping money in. Uh, they're going to keep interest rates low. And uh, another piece to keeping interest rates low that this the Federal Reserve do, and, and this is a Tim McClem of the Canadian or Bank of Canada as well. Like he, he's right on board. He's going to follow what the state says too. They buy government securities. So the Bank of Canada will buy Canadian government bonds. Federal Reserve will buy U.S. government bonds. And when they buy them, again, go back to this inverse relationship. When they're buying and driving the price up of these bonds, the, the yield is coming down. So they're going to try and drive these yields back down. I've always heard the phrase, you know, you don't want to fight the Fed. You don't want to stand away the Federal Reserve. And I mean, why would you, right? They're the guys with the printing press. They're the guys that print money. They literally print the money that's in existence. Why would you bet against them and try and fight them? Uh, they're just going to steamroll you. And I think that they've continued to say that they're going to try and fight um, to push this economy up and keep keep driving things higher. So I, I think this is going to be short-lived. I don't think we're going to see a big bear market go down. And the other side of the thing is interest rates going up also should mean that there's some you're seeing a recovery in the economy, right? You know, we want higher interest rates. Uh, higher interest rates usually signal inflation and a higher or a better growing economy. Um, I don't think we're out of the woods yet, and I think the Federal Reserve and the Bank of Canada know that. I think that's why they're going to keep pumping money into it because they want to keep this rolling. But it's not like it just fell. The, well, the bottom of the bond market fell out. Like we just saw a faster jump than we saw. And one quote I heard was we went from a very low level of interest rates to a slightly higher but very low level of interest rates. It's not like we jumped up to 14% or something crazy. We're at 1.5% on a 10-year bond. That's still some of the lowest rates of all time. So I do think a lot of this is um, is just a little bit uh, – everyone's a little bit too fearful, I guess. Um, and the last point I just want to touch on here before I wrap this up, anyone who doesn't know what the VIX is, the VIX, it's a volatility index. I would take that take a look at that if you have a chance. Um, and what the VIX does is it, uh, it shows what people think the volatility is going to be 30 days from now, which is kind of interesting because if you look 30 days ago at the end of, uh, at the end of January – the VIX was up near, where is it here? 37 was the peak, which is almost as high as it was before the election when they didn't know who was going to win between Biden and Trump. Um, so a month ago, they'd be, that'd be showing volatility. Now it was very high. Um, like I said, almost 37, almost as high as it was in November. So it was almost like in some capacity, people knew there was going to be some volatility now. We just didn't know where it was. Um, but now we saw it, and then it does level off from there. Not to say the VIX is a perfect barometer, but the volatility seems to be over. I think that's why we are going to find a bottom here. I think maybe the rest of the week will be a little bit red or flat, and then we'll start to have a slower recovery next week. Now, the next bump in the VIX is uh, end of February, so that would be end of this month. And I was listening to a different podcast recently, and the guy made a very interesting point I looked into, and I think this is a very good one, so I wanted to share with everyone here today. What would be a catalyst that's going to happen at the end of March or beginning of April, you know, that you'd see another spike in volatility? Why would people be worried about that, about a spike there? You know, the election makes sense. This past one actually didn't quite make sense, but I think smart people were pricing in this 10-year yield because it was trending up. Um, and now what's this next catalyst that's going to get priced in? Uh, he his thoughts and I, I agree with him. I think this is a great point. Is uh, is tax season? You know what happens in April? It's taxes. 
you have a whole bunch of these new traders, new investors that have just started. And I know in Canada, we have TFSAs. A lot of people do their trading in their TFSAs. They don't have to pay tax. So maybe Canadians wouldn't think of this. I wouldn't think of this. I do a lot of my trading in my TFSA. I didn't even think about this. Americans don't have as many, if any, that I really know of, of these tax-free options that Canadians have. So if you're a new trader, you know, 18 to 22, let's say, you come in and you dump some money and you get a stimulus tech check, whatever it is, and you dump all your money and uh, you know, you're on these Wall Street bet sites, whatever, and the market has been going up and these Wall Street bets are telling you, you know, use your margin leverage, leverage, double the money you have with your leverage, buy call options, and you're turning like five grand into 20, 30, 40 grand. A lot of these guys have been doing really good. I'm not here hating on people that are new investors and don't know what they're doing. All these guys that came into the markets in the last year are doing amazing, and but they're trading in and out a lot, right? If you hold on to what you own and just let it grow, you don't need to pay the tax. But as soon as you sell and you realize that profit, you do need to pay tax. Um, that bill's coming in April. That's when tax time is hitting. And I think a lot of these guys that are fully invested, they don't hold cash on the side because they're new investors, right? They don't have these like portfolio management skills and weight things between fixed income and value and growth and keep some cash on the side. They're just buying all in on some of these big growth names. And they've been winning, hitting home runs left, right, and center. And now they're going to have a huge tax burden. Um, this, these taxes are not like your employment taxes where they get indexed across all tax brackets. It's added on top of your employment income. So it's going to be straight at that percent. If you're in the 30% income tax bracket, you're getting hit at 30%. Um, and where are they going to get this money from? Right? You know, they probably didn't have a ton. And all the money they did, they were putting in and fully investing. They're going to need to sell a bunch of stock to pay these taxes. So that would be my next, I guess caution of what I think the next uh, uh, leg down in this bull market is going to be. I think we'll recover over March. And then I would take a look in April because I think we're going to get a lot of selling just to pay these tax bills. And I think that's something a lot of people are overlooking, especially Canadians that do invest in American stocks because we have these TFSAs. So it's a problem that maybe we wouldn't even think about because we don't pay tax. Um, but it's something to keep on your radar. So that was the last thing I wanted to bring up. Uh, today was just more of a macroeconomic overview, just some things of what's going on because it has been – it's been a little bit less fun to be in the markets the last two weeks. And I think maybe everyone just needs a dose of reality. And I wanted to maybe cover some topics about why these things are happening and what's what's going on and just maybe some ways you can look now to diversify or, or move some money around just to not be so exposed to these downside risks in the future. But if anyone has any more uh, macro questions or, or doesn't fully get why some of these things are happening or, or doesn't understand the way I was explaining, feel free to reach out. Um, I have been finding a little bit more time in the last day or two to answer emails and things from people sending them in. So uh, shoot me a message if you have. But uh, yeah, thanks for listening. Again, this one went a little bit long, but I think there was a lot to talk about today just because it has been uh, a real funky last three weeks. So thanks for hanging in there for the whole uh, 23 minutes we're at. But uh that's it for now. I'll uh, hopefully have another one here in the next couple days. We're going to go back to doing the uh, doing the company overviews. But thanks for listening.